All right, welcome back to another episode of Square State Sandlot. Bill's here with me. Um, I've actually been out for, man, it might be two weeks since I've been on. Um, been a little hectic and crazy for me, but luckily Bill and I's schedule's lined up, so I guess here we are, and I hope you all enjoy. <laughs> yeah, so um, apparently this I was going to say you want to go ahead, Bill. Apparently this thing called work is important, huh? I mean, that's other people's opinion, not necessarily mine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was just I was just going to say if you want to kick us off with your Raiders, I know it's uh sure. Been a rough week, I guess. It's it's always rough with the Raiders, even when things are going well. But yeah, I'll get started. Um so obviously last time we talked, they they were coming off the disappointing loss to the Giants. And then they go out and said, hold my beer, and got their asses kicked by the Chiefs. So, 41-14. And there were several points in that game where I feel like they they easily could have uh, stayed in it and kind of just let it slip away. Not not to say I think they should have won the game, because obviously 41-14, that's pretty convincing fashion to, to lose a game. So... Um, but, I mean, if if we didn't have that Deshaun Jackson fumble after he caught the 50-yard the bomb in the air, uh, I'm, I'm still not sure what he was trying to do there because it seemed like if he just kept running, he would have scored a touchdown or at least got within the, the five-yard line or so. Um, instead, he gets turned around and starts dancing and <laughs> has the ball stripped. So I think that was the real turning point we could have obviously with the touchdown there would have put us within three instead we give the ball up and then the Chiefs go down and score that's a 14 point swing right there and never really answered back after that so um, unfortunately this is something that seems to happen every year we we get off to a hot start and then uh, just go on a slide and that seems to be what's happening right now uh, I wish I could get not used to it because it wouldn't happen but i mean it seems like anytime we have a good start this happens and then obviously in in years where we just don't play well at all there's nothing really to look forward to so um i think luckily the chiefs obviously had the the rough start and then the chargers haven't been playing well um they just lost to the vikings and then obviously the Broncos aren't a great team either. So I think the division's still well within grasp, but we're going to have to start winning and, and avoid the, you know, two and six end to the season if if we want to be in that conversation. So um, this is going to be a, a real challenge, this game coming up against Cincinnati. I think if we win it, we'll be right back in the conversations. And obviously we still play the Chiefs once more towards the end of the season might even be the last game of the season if i remember right so um gotta win gotta beat them in the next one and then gotta do some work along the way um, i'm curious your take as to obviously when things were going well basaccia had just taken over we won two games in a row they everyone was saying let's stick with status quo let's keep basaccia as head coach and um keep Mayock, see what he can do after or with a year of full control. Um, 
what what do you think they should do and then i'll tell you what what my opinions are um i would say first and foremost um i mean i don't think it's panic time yet yeah uh, obviously a lot of season left um when he took over you guys did respond um I honestly think that game had more to do with the Chiefs finding their groove again than it necessarily did. Um, I mean, obviously, you guys didn't respond in the way you'd like to during that game. I get that. But I do think that was more of the Chiefs hitting the ground and kind of finding themselves again. Um, I don't think it's anything to be, you know, like I said, I just don't think it's panic mode yet. Um I do think you guys will still bounce back and still have a solid season. Um, as far as the two of them, in my opinion, I would keep them there. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of love for, uh, for your coach. I always say his name wrong. Basaccia, whatever. <laughs> Richie B. Um, yeah, there we go. Um, there's a lot of love there. The players love him. Um, I mean, if you have an opportunity next season to bring in somebody, I mean, that's a whole nother ball game, but, um, you know, if he if he finishes out this season well, I don't see a reason not to yeah. um, try to keep him around. And Mayock, I mean, it, if anybody who's listened knows my opinion of Mayock, I've, I'm hoping that with the Gruden situation hopefully behind you guys, next season will be a full season of Mayock being able to do his thing without having to deal with a Gruden. Yeah. Mike Mayock is a football mind. That dude is absolutely phenomenal in his ability to break down players and scouting. Um, if he's able to do his job the way I think he can, um, I, I don't see why you wouldn't keep him around. Um, I, I see you have Carr's name there as well. Uh, I guess I can touch on that a little bit. <laughs> um, I think that, I think he's a good quarterback. He really is. But I do think if you guys have the opportunity – to find a quarterback of the future, whether it be a trade, say for an Aaron Rodgers or whatever, whatever next season brings, I guess. Yeah. And I guess it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't necessarily be a trade, but um, I don't know. It'd just be, I don't think Carr's spot is safe. I do think the other two, especially Mayock is good to go. Yeah. In my opinion. So the reason got, I threw Bill? Carr in there is just because they kind of have to make a decision on him. Um, he's under contract for next season, but you rarely see, you know, your your quarterback play out the final year of their contract because that opens the door for them seeing what's out there in free agency. So if, if he's the guy of the future, you're obviously going to see them lock him up either by the end of this season or during the off season for an extension. Um, so that's why I threw him in there. I absolutely think we can win with Carr. I don't think he's I don't think he's an MVP caliber quarterback. I don't think he's a star quarterback, anything like that. Uh, because and the reason I say that is those type of quarterbacks elevate the play of all the people around them and you just really he's been with the team 8 years and if if there's talent around him, he does well. If there's not, he doesn't. So um and you can definitely win with that. He's he's definitely a capable quarterback. You just have to have that strong roster around him for, for him to do it. So, um, like you said, it, it really depends what's available out there. Um, I've seen enough with Carr to know that, like, 
unless we can put a star-studded off. Well, not even necessarily offense. He can get by with with a decent offense and and still play well. Uh, but you you have to have the defense on the other side. And so far this year, we've we've looked pretty decent. But the Chiefs did to us what everyone has been doing to them, and that's you know cover two, which they haven't played cover two hardly at all this season. And they played it, yeah. I think, 60% of the snaps against us. So I don't know if they took us by surprise or what happened, but really the offense stagnated. Uh, Darren Waller's disappeared for the last four games, I think. Seriously. It's been pretty bad for, for on his front. But uh, it, in terms of Bisaccia, I, I don't know if he's the guy going forward. Um, I love the guy. And the only thing that I really hope is if if he doesn't, stick around with the Raiders. I hope he gets another opportunity because I've seen so many good coaches that take the Raiders position and obviously they don't do well and that's organizational failure, but they haven't really got a second chance. Like Dennis Allen, I was so happy to see him gone, but when you see what he's done with those Saints defenses over the past, I don't know, what, six eight years, however long he's been there after he left the, the Raiders. Um, he's been very good. I think he absolutely deserves another chance yeah. at, at head coach. And <laughs> the stain that the, the Raiders organization left on his resume has, I think, scared away a lot of teams from, from giving him another chance. So that's the thing. If if they don't stick with him, I, I've seen all the outpouring of support for him from his former players and all that. So I, I would hope other organizations see that and they see that he's capable um, of being a, a leader of men, which he is. Uh, and then in terms of Mike Mayock, I, I'm just, I'm on the same page with you. I, I think he absolutely is capable of doing that job and I'd love to see what he can do without uh, Gruden there. And even if they go with another coach, I absolutely think Mayock should be in that room helping pick the coach. And you've seen how lately the, the, teams that give the coaches full control how bad that's been going. Um, you've got Shanahan in, in San Francisco. You've got – you had Gruden, obviously. Um, well, it's it, two it's two completely different skill sets, and I think that's what people yeah, I, I think struggle with is just because – and there are some amazing coaches, but it does not mean they can analyze talent. It does not mean that they can piece a team together. Yeah. It just – that's what I think Mayock is really good at. The only thing that scares me about him is he really banged the table when they released Damon Arnett and said, I wanted this guy. He was, he was, you can't put this one on John. Essentially. This is, this was our pick. This is both of our pick. We were in agreement and that was unanimously a terrible pick. They could have gotten Arnett in the second round, late, late second round, but, and they picked him in the first round. I think it was 24th or something like that. So that's the only thing that scares me is they basically pissed away all the draft picks um, that they got from trading Khalil Mack and obviously haven't got the impact that that they gave up in him. So yeah. not not a, good, not a lot of good stuff going on with the Raiders organization. Obviously, um, when everyone's posting memes and stuff that says this many days without an incident <laughs> – that's, yeah, that was. It's funny, but it's also so very sad. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's enough about the Raiders. Obviously, I could go for hours about them and, and right. 
really break down the game and all that fun stuff, but I'll spare you guys that. So what's going on with your with your Steelers coming off that lovely um, game? <laughs> well, I mean, nobody likes a tie. I get it. But honestly, I thought we were going to lose the game um, as soon as I heard that Big Ben wasn't going to start. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I'm really not – I wasn't that disappointed with it outside of the fact that we should have won the game. The two late fumbles, unfortunately, even my boy Fryermuth had one. Um, I mean, that killed us for sure. We should have won that game. Um, but I mean, that's shit happens. We'll, t- we'll take the tie. It's not a loss. Yeah. Um, all that does though, is for me, it just cements the fact that, and actually don't get me wrong. Mason Rudolph actually played a lot better than I think people give him credit for. Um, I'm not saying he played great, but he does get ragged on pretty bad. He's definitely not our quarterback of the future. I know that if this is Big Ben's last year, we will be looking elsewhere, probably at a veteran. I don't think the Steelers want to bring in a rookie. Um, I really don't. We'll see how that all pans out, see what the market's like and all that. But um, all in all, they played okay. Um, I mean, yes, I know it's the Lions. Uh, I mean, I, I get the I get the funny side of it and the storylines, but – all in all, I'm actually pretty happy with it. Um, I still think we're putting together a serviceable season. Um, hopefully, we got Big Ben back this week because uh, we play the Chargers this week and we actually have a bunch more people out, unfortunately, including TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, which is basically um, you know, our two top defenders. So, well, I saw one of your cameras guard or tackle. One of them is missing the game too. Yeah, um, I actually saw that flash on my phone earlier, and I can't remember which one it was now. Yeah. I mean, the, the Chargers haven't been playing well um, for the most part, but there's still there's a lot of talent on that team, so I'm a little nervous about this game, um, especially without Watt there. I would say I, I, I sincerely think T.J. Watt kills probably four or five big plays a game. Um, and for me, that's what I usually look at for defenders is – shutting down big plays because in the league that exists right now, those big plays are generally what's winning games. I realize there are some teams that still grind you out, but it's not as common. Um, And I just, he's one of those players that you're putting four or five big plays back on the other team's offense at that point. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. You you know, it would help you guys right now with Watt being out. Melvin Ingram, maybe? Melvin Ingram. And you know what? I'm still just completely pissed about that trade. I didn't think it would have as much impact as it did for the Chiefs, but what that allowed them to do is put Chris Jones back in the on the inside and Melvin Ingram's essentially starting on the outside. And Not that he's a yeah. phenomenal player or anything, but he's definitely above replacement level, and that's what they had before. So the only thing I would say on that is you're not wrong. I mean, obviously having him there would have been nice to fill in on the other side. Yes, um, it would have. But at the end of the day, that's that's kind of Pittsburgh mentality, though. You got somebody that didn't want to be there, so we're not going to have you there. Yeah. I mean, that's really what that came down to. Well, it's you're fair. not wrong. It's fair. But, <laughs> I mean, we, we even alluded to that when they made the trade. Is The only thing, the only reason you want to hang on to him is if there's a, an injury to someone like T.J. Watt. It's almost like a premonition, but... Um, I just want to talk about Mason Rudolph and uh, Dwayne Haskins a little bit as well. Um, Obviously, your boy Dwayne Haskins was 
playing on his phone instead of doing warm-ups and really pissed off the, yeah. the offensive staff, it sounds like. So I don't know if he's looking for a release or what, but he's clearly not going to be a fit there in, in Pittsburgh. So it's no. it's entirely possible that you guys have none of the quarterbacks from from this season, next season, on your roster. Well, well they've basically come out and said that it, the ball's in Big Ben's court. If he wants to play again next year, they're going to keep him. He will yeah. be a stealer. Um, which I actually really like from the standpoint of the the franchise. Um, I get that, you know, if it means losing games, whatever, that whole argument. But I love that that's the appeal. I honestly am leaning towards I think he'll probably be done this year. I mean, I guess it's really all in in his mind what he decides. But if he doesn't play, I agree with you. None of these three will be on the team next year, or at least not starting. I wonder if they'll have a situation where they maybe talk him back into coming back as just a, a mentor and being the backup. And then it, you said they don't want to draft a rookie, but if, if they're in the position where they have to bring him back as the oh, backup and, and mentor and get that rookie up to speed. Um, but I think this will be a, a pretty crazy off season. I think there's a chance uh, Russell Wilson gets moved. Obviously, Rogers probably going to be on another team, um, and I've I've seen plenty of interest from you guys, just in rumors in for Russell Wilson. So that would be a, would a pretty be, intriguing matchup there. I would be so okay with that. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, we got a long time before that, but I mean, sure. that would not upset me at all. He's a, he's a talented, good team player. So. so yeah, I think that's all I had with. The uh, Steelers. Do you want to talk about the matchup going in against the the Chargers? Or, um, I mean, really, it's all going to come down, in my opinion, to defense. Um, it's just going to be whether or not our guys filling in for these these top players show up. Um, again, like I said, the Chargers have been pretty beat up. I think we're going to rely heavily on you know players like Najee, um, but. If the defense doesn't show up and um, shut those guys down, I mean, they have some talent on that offense um, yeah. for the Chargers. So I think it's all going to be linked to that defense. And with all yeah. those guys out, it's going to be rough. And Ben, the, they said the door is still open, but he has to clear COVID protocols yeah. by tomorrow at 4, I believe, for him to play in the game uh, on Sunday. Yeah, they're, so. they're game planning for Mason Rudolph. Um with hopes that obviously Big Ben's able to start, but yeah. we'll see. Well, and that's, I think that's affected my pick for sure. Um, if Ben was playing, I would maybe consider going with the Steelers, but with with him probably out, I went with the Chargers. So, um, but we can move Safe on pick. to we can move on to baseball now. Um, just a couple little notes, news and notes. There's been some signings and um, trades and all that fun stuff. So. But it is award season, so um, Otani and Bryce Harper were named AL and NL MVPs, respectively. Uh, no real competition. I, I think the NL race was a lot closer. Otani was unanimous MVP, so uh, between Rightfully Harper, so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like we said, he, he had an unprecedented season where he obviously was an above-average pitcher and then above-average behind the plate. So uh, 
just a really impressive season from him. I, I don't think anyone had any arguments, obviously, who was one. There were some arguments on who was two, three, four, whatever in that uh, race, but Otani stood shoulder, head and shoulders above the others. Uh, like I said, Harper won over Soto, I think was the, the next closest. And Harper, I, I was very curious if he was even going to come back this season when after he got hit in the hit in the head with that fastball uh i think it was, was 97 bad. miles knocked him out for a couple of days weeks i can't remember the exact amount of games that he missed but he came back with a vengeance and and second half of the season he looked like the actual mvp of the league so uh congrats to those guys uh and then al mvp or sorry al cy young and nl cy young was Corbin Burns and Robbie Ray. Um, Robbie Ray, I think, very much deserved that honor. Uh, Corbin Burns is an absolute stud of a pitcher. I, I think he's got some of the best stuff on the planet. But with that being said, he also threw like 50 less innings than Zach Wheeler. And Zach Wheeler only wow. had, I mean, I'm, I want to say Zach Wheeler had two wins above replacement over. Corbin Burns and still didn't win that. So I'm not really sure what the uh, what the Cy Young voters were, were doing there, but for me it was it was Zach Wheeler and then everyone else, Burns, um, Scherzer, you could throw in there as well. Uh, there were a couple guys that definitely should have been in contention, but I think Wheeler should have been the favorite there. So I don't know how much attention you've paid to the to those races. I know your your uh, pirates weren't in contention for for much <laughs> what, of the season. What are you, but... what are you trying to say? Um, no, I I mean I've been catching headlines, but I definitely haven't been like diving in with uh, with hockey season and stuff picking up. I've kind of been distracted. So if you can't tell, I'm going through baseball withdrawals. <laughs> I think we're a little bit three weeks out of the season now, and I'm already having withdrawals. So. It's fine. Um, in inside of our division, um, Noah Syndergaard, the Mets great, signed with um, yeah. the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim for one year and and twenty one million dollars, which is to me just insane. Uh, I don't think Syndergaard's pitched more than a hundred innings between the last two seasons, and he's getting this kind of deal. Uh, obviously he has the stuff he you can't deny that the talent there but that deal to me was just insane well, especially i, I fit i was just gonna say i figured they were going after pitchers on it well, i mean <laughs> it's not what i thought though <laughs> yeah well they they drafted all 20 players they picked in the in the draft were pitchers and then obviously they still have a need for pitchers because those guys won't touch the majors for for quite a few seasons yeah. um but yeah this was definitely a splash move but definitely one you hold your breath for and when you consider Syndergaard turned down the qualifying offer from the Mets which was 18.4 million um but with him declining that that means any team that signs him has to give up a draft pick. And I want to say it's like a third round pick or something like that. So not only did they, 
give him a $21 million deal. They also had to give up a draft pick, which at the end of the day, not a huge deal because they're not going to make an impact on your team for, let's say, at least three years, but probably longer than that. So um, shouldn't be a a detractor from making a deal like this. But typically when you're, you're giving up draft picks, you sign for multiple years, not just one. So that was a little weird. And then the uh, Justin Verlander signing, I don't know if you saw that at all. Um, I didn't. So he re-signed with the Astros um, on a one-year $25 million deal with a second-year option for another $25 million. So that would be for his 39-year-old season and 40-year-old season. He's basically getting $50 million between the two. And it's player option, so most likely he's going to pick that up. Uh, so... I wish he would have left the division because they're probably going to be beating up hard on us next next season, but it happens. And then today, actually, I'm going to have you go into this hypothetical, and I want you to address it. And then okay. I'm going to look up the move that the A's made today because I can't remember the kid's name, and I forgot to put it in the notes. All right, so uh, basically Bill's posing a hypothetical question here. Um, if the MLB institutes a salary floor of $100 million for payroll, like we've talked on here before, um, his question to me, I believe, yep. <laughs> is who do the Pirates extend? Um, and this is probably the easiest question for their offseason, despite the random trade talks that always seem to get turned around about him. But um, extending Brian Reynolds is the absolute biggest priority for the offseason. He's already expressed um, interest in returning uh, or signing an extension. Um, I mean, they got to build around this kid. He he put together a phenomenal season. And with all the young guys that we have that are going to be primarily making up our team next season, um, we're going to need somebody like there to like him there to kind of lead us as far as the, the – the big plays and the, the excitement to bring to the team because that's what he did last year. Um, so, that, I mean, they have to extend him. I mean, I'm hoping for like, you know, five years something. You know, um, I, I want him around for the foreseeable future. I like that, and I thought you might go there. There's only one problem with that, and that's he's still got four years of team control. So even if they extend him, those those dollars aren't really going to count towards – this upcoming season. So obviously you give him a signing bonus and count that as part of the contract, but right. Well, and that's where the problem lies. Yeah. You (laughs) guys should a lot. (laughs) Anyone else on the team. I mean, my, like my next name that I would drop would be Kevin Newman. And he had, this was a second season in a row where he had a huge drop off in batting. Yeah. I don't see that being a case. Um, we just don't have people around that I think we would extend. I think they would have to basically hit that hundred mil in other ways. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I was thinking. I hope that the A's hold onto everyone that they have right now. Um, and wait until the CBA has been ironed out. Uh, Rob Manfred commissioner of the, of MLB, he has basically come out and said, we're going to try to do everything we can to prevent a labor stoppage because, you know, it's not good for business. But I think there's a a 99.9% chance that this goes to a labor stoppage. So, yeah, 
if it does end up locked out, I want to say it's like December 4th or something is the, the start of the new year. So that's why you see this rush of trades and, and um, signings happening right now, because once it's locked out, you can't sign players, you can't trade players, you can't do anything until there's a new CBA instituted. So um, like I said, I really hope the A's just hold because if if they institute this play, uh, salary floor, which I absolutely believe they should, um, and basically for those of you that aren't familiar, $100 million payroll floor would be the minimum you could spend on your, your major league roster uh, per season. So right now, a lot of the teams, including the Pirates, the A's, they're well below that salary f- threshold. So uh, in order to get above that, obviously you got to make player signings or you have to uh, extend the players that are on your team already, give them bigger contracts, w- whatever it may be. Um, and like I said, I absolutely believe that should be there because right now you have teams that are basically tanking for picks and just having putting together absolute crap seasons for three to five seasons at a time and just telling the fans, please buy tickets. We're, you know, we're, we're doing something. We're doing this now so we can have success in the future, blah, blah, blah. Uh, where what that is really doing is it's making these teams like the San Francisco Giants, the Dodgers. They're winning 106 games, 107 games, because they're playing all these teams that are not trying to even be competitive. And that's not good for the sport. Uh, So that's why I think it should be there. But also, it will get get rid of some of these owners that are just there to cash a paycheck, essentially. Obviously, if if you're running a business, you, you... want to make money and that's how you you stay in business but there's plenty of these owners that are basically just shoveling cash in their pockets not paying any players and what that and basically depreciating the game of baseball so um, I really hope they they institute this without it lowering the luxury tax any further uh, because I think that's what they're going to try to do if they say, okay, we're going to institute this um, salary floor, but we're also going to lower the luxury tax, then it's going that's essentially a, a de facto uh, salary cap because most owners aren't going to want to go above that because then they have to start paying 50 cents on every dollar, and then it goes back to the other teams. So, um, right. But anyway... The A's have plenty of guys that they could extend to to hit that threshold easily. Um, so if they trade them all away, what I'm really hoping happens is <laughs> they've got no players left that they can extend they want to give big money to, so they're going to have to sign a bunch of free agents to inflated contracts and still suck. And and then that's going to cause our owner to want to, to jump ship. Oh, man. Because that's what he he's just there to collect money. He's got, you know, yeah. all these other businesses that could easily prop him up. But for some reason, he wants to run the A's like a poverty franchise and not put any money into them. So just some quick news with the A's. They did put an offer in on some land in Vegas, um, which obviously to some people would signify that they're actually willing to move to Vegas. Um, I think this is a decent indication that it's an option. Uh, the, the offer hasn't been accepted. 
Uh, and then Libby Schaaf, the mayor of Oakland, has announced that they have basically $14 million in a slush fund that's for projects, infrastructure projects that they could use towards the, the Howard Terminal in Oakland. Uh, I think that has received all the votes it's needed to up to this point. So um, I think there's a decent chance they do stay in Oakland. Uh, but obviously the, the Vegas plot is probably to put some pressure on the city of Oakland to get some things moving. Um, but outside of that, I think that's all I have with, with Oakland. Um, yeah, I think that's it. So uh, let's do our, our best of the week, worst of the week, and, and then we'll, we'll call it a podcast here. So I'm going to have you go first. Okay. Um, I guess I'll start with, I'm going to start with actually my worst of the week because I know you're going to dive into it. We actually have the exact same one. Um, obviously, Zach Stacy. there is no worst of the week worse than him right now. Um, like I said, I'll let you dive into that. But uh, as far as my best of the week, I got to give a give the nod to my guys, the Penguins. Um, they've had a rough go here. I think it was a five-game uh, slump. It uh, was looking good. Montreal was actually in the same boat. They were we both been playing terrible. And so uh, luckily it was what we needed to kind of jump start and hopefully build off of again. But we ended up winning that game 6-0. And uh, it was a much needed change from the last few games. So I'm going to give that to my Penguins. Yeah. But, uh, That's a pretty yeah. decisive win there. 6 nothing. Yes. Especially in hockey. Yeah. <laughs> What about you, Bill? Really, I think just the Warriors could be best of the week every week so far this season. They're they're playing some really good basketball, but they they played the Nets especially tough in Brooklyn and really just had a decisive win over them. So I'm going to put that as my best of the week. And then like you alluded to, worst of the week is Zach Stacey. Uh, for those of you that haven't seen or heard, hopefully you haven't seen because it's pretty rough to watch, but um, he basically assaulted his ex-girlfriend in front of his five-month-old baby. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty brutal to watch and that there's no place in society for, for things like this. Unfortunately, it is probably more commonplace than we know. Um, the only time it really gets attention thrown to it is when a high-profile person does it. So uh, Zach Stacy, obviously we're, we're having this conversation because he's an NFL, a former NFL football player. Uh, but I, I don't believe that this is an isolated incident for sure, especially involving him. So <clears throat> I don't know. I, I guess with that being said, I just want to extend my best wishes out to the lady that was involved in this situation and, and really just offer support to anyone that's in a, in an abusive relationship that there, there are opportunities to get out. You don't need to stay in it. It'll be the best thing you ever do. Uh, please report it, uh, do everything you you can do to get out of that situation, especially if you have a, a child involved, you don't want to, you don't want your kids seeing that. Uh, so like I said, Worst of the week for sure. Obviously, he he's been arrested since, so obviously he's off the street. But for every one NFL athlete, I I think it's probably even a a lower um, a lower percentage of the population NFL wise than it is 
as a society as a whole. So it's it's obviously just overblown when um, it happens to a high profile person. So yeah. there's there's plenty of resources out there for for anyone that's in that type of situation. So just get out. But with that being said, uh, Kyle, thanks for joining. I know it's been a rough week for you. Uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit easier week next week and this is obviously coming out late Friday night so uh, we, we appreciate you guys tuning in appreciate all the support we're getting close to 200 followers on Facebook so we do appreciate you guys liking sharing commenting all that fun stuff and and really just hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving I don't think we'll record unless we do it maybe Tuesday um, and then I think John and I will be on this weekend. I don't know if you're planning on jumping on Sunday, but we'll have to see. I'm actually I'll be flying out to Pittsburgh again Sunday. So Oh. Wonder what that's like. <laughs> uh all right, man. Oh you know. We'll see you later. Okay. Thanks for tuning in, guys.